Welcome to the EduData Podcast, a podcast that serves as your weekly guide to the data driving higher education. We are your hosts. I'm Jamie Boggs. And I'm Timothy Davis. Join us every Friday for weekly breakdowns of the most important data, trends, and topics in higher education. The EduData Podcast is a part of the Enrollify Network a robust collection of podcasts designed to help higher education professionals like you grow. Explore our other shows at Enrollify.org or check out some of my personal favorites linked in the show notes below. Enrollify is made possible by Element 451, the leading AI-powered, all-in-one student engagement platform, helping institutions create meaningful, personalized, and engaging interactions with students. Learn more at Element451.com. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the EduData podcast. I am Jamie Boggs here with Timothy Davis. Timothy, what is happening? Hey, Jamie. Glad to be back in another one. Yeah, you know, we uh, last week talked about the enrollment cliff, and I feel like people have the opinion of a lot of doom and gloom around that. So this week, I want to pick more of a neutral topic, and some data has recently been released from iPads about online education. And as we often do, you and I are kind of from different generations of higher ed. So we've, we've kind of seen, I don't know, there weren't online classes when <laughs> I went to college. I'm sure there were. Yeah. They were just to start to develop LMSs and that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, got in on really early Blackboard, which was, yeah, it's come a long way. I'll say it that way. The institution I actually went to and worked at for a little bit um, got into remote learning in like the 90s. And they were putting like tapes VHS, I don't know if anyone's ever heard of that. VHS wow. tapes in the mail for you. And you'd like fill out your assignment and ship it back. Yeah. The postal the postal service, right? We've come so far. <laughs> you got the Pony Express out there delivering your homework. Absolutely. It's not uh it's not ideal. But now of course we have the invention of the internet and uh, we're going to post some statistics that come from new iPads data basically going back to 2012. And there's a gradual uptick in online education, both those that are exclusively enrolled online and those that are enrolled in some online up until 2020. But we all know what happened. There was a pandemic. We were all in quarantine. So the numbers pretty much doubled for that one year. And I want to have a conversation with you really about kind of where where are we going to go now? Is it going to continue on the trajectory it was on before? Is it going to uh, level off? Are we going to get back down to before COVID numbers? So mm-hmm. that's kind of what I want to go through today. Yeah. Well, I think the first observation we could make about the data is that there is absolutely a huge spike in enrolled exclusively online learning in 2020. And that obviously makes sense, right? Lockdowns, uh, just general concern about spreading COVID necessitated that. And so we we definitely rose to the occasion Um, And while it has fallen in subsequent years, it is still above 2019, 2018 levels. And so I'll be interested to see uh, an analysis from 2023 when that comes out, if uh, the decline from 2020 uh, continues or if we start to sort of level out a little bit. Because the decline from 21 to 22 is not huge, a few percentage points, which I mean, means a lot of students, but, but not as significant as the drop off from 2020. So that might be the angle that I'm taking today. I don't know. What do, what do you think when you see those, those percentages? I'm always fascinated by 
anomalies. And that's what we have in 2020. Yeah. We have an event that interrupted the flow of, or the, the trend of the data. So mm-hmm. how is that going to impact more long-term than just that one year? And you can go and look at the visual, but basically we're looking at a one to 2% increase yearly in online learning from 2012 to 2020. In 2020, and I'll, I'll use this part of it because we're looking at students who were enrolled exclusively online, some online or no online. The no online number went from 64% of students in 2019 to 26.6% of students in 2020. So more than cut in half the number of students that take no online classes. Right. So huge jump there. 2021, it goes back up to 41%. 2022, up to 47%. Where do you think it would have gone without the pandemic? Are we just going to continue on that slope that we were on, 1% to 2% a year? Would it have accelerated with AI and other things like that? It's like an alternate history question. I love that. It is. Uh, I, I don't know. I think that, I, I think that the, the um, increase between you know 2012 and 2019 is pretty telling that it was becoming more of a uh, it was it was gaining interest. It was gaining traction. It certainly wouldn't have jumped to the percentages that we we now see within within uh, you know 2022-2023. But I I don't know. I think the trend was still there. I think the trend was still increasing. Um, and and like you said, this anomaly just sort of accelerated things. I remember that was kind of the narrative in 2020-2021 around not just higher ed, but but everything digital transformation um, across you know multiple industries was COVID has accelerated our move in this direction to do things more online, to do things more digitally native, or, or however you want to phrase that. So yeah, I think I think we are definitely moving forward now. Though I wonder if we've kind of if there's maybe a subgenre, a subculture movement of just exhaustion from being online all the time and, and a desire for more in-person experiences. So in a way, the trend has maybe sort of inverted a little bit or certainly has, has birthed the subculture of folks that do not want to live their lives online. I think that that's also uh, in the zeitgeist. Yeah, I think you're right. I think the, the progression before the pandemic was fairly linear, it was one to two percent per year, not really increasing faster at one time or another. But not only did the pandemic force people to learn online, but it forced institutions to develop online curriculums that I think they're going to keep using re- regardless of what happens. So I think there will be offerings of online courses, and I think you're going to see more a higher percentage of those enrolled in some online courses, which. That is about at the rate it was in 2020 now. It was at 27.6 in 2020, 2022, and we're looking at the fall uh, fall terms there, 27.4. So it's about where it was in 2020. So I think that is going to stabilize, but it's really that only enrolled and not enrolled at all numbers that I, I'm interested in. Were, were there any factors that you can think about that could have helped to accelerate this change in addition to the pandemic. I mentioned AI. I think there's going to be greater utilization for curriculum development, for automated communications and grading. So I think that would have already given an uptick, especially just in the last year. I mean, here at Element, we have fully embraced the AI wave and our product's so much better and different than it was before. But are there other factors 
that, that could have led to this? Yeah, I mean, I think the main driver um, was not necessarily that people didn't want to be on campus, but was the uh, increase in just adult learners and people returning for degrees or people returning for micro-credentials, um, uh, other sort of certificate programs. So just a change in the way that programs are delivered and that degrees are issued was also driving this as, as more people who already had a degree returned to try to upskill or reskill, however however that looked for them. So yeah, I think that that was actually the main driver. I don't think that it was more, um, that it, that it more had to do with everyone just loving, you know, having their class entirely online. There's also some of the chicken or the egg things happening as well. I'm from Kentucky and I grew up in Southeastern Kentucky and legitimately before the pandemic, there were areas that still had dial up internet. Like it was so slow that you yeah. couldn't go online. Yeah. So I think the pandemic accelerated broadband internet getting to some of those more rural areas and it made online learning more accessible to people that couldn't have done it before. Yeah. So I, I think there's an element of that. So I don't know, like that was going to come eventually, but did the pandemic accelerate that? So I think yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's tough to completely rule that out of, of any of the other factors that go into it. Maybe we could ask it like this, like what is the percentage split that you think of, of the online medium being a medium of choice or a medium of necessity? Like of, of the people that, that made that decision to be online pre pandemic. uh, What do you think that their driver was? Do you think that it was that, that they actually preferred being online uh, over being on campus? Had they had the opportunity or did they just need to be online because they needed to take classes in the evening. They needed to take classes on demand rather than uh, on the semester schedule that that uh, university imposed. Yeah, I would venture to say that the majority of it was based on need. And you may disagree with me there. I, I, no, just I know totally a lot agree. Of people who missed the individual interactions, the the grading system, the lack of FaceTime with your instructors. I think most people generally didn't like it as much. I could be wrong about that. Hey there, it's Jamie and Timothy from the EduData podcast, and we want to personally invite you to the Engage Summit this summer in Raleigh, North Carolina. The theme of the conference is AI Got You. We're not just talking theories. This conference is your guide to understanding and applying AI at your institution. By the end, you won't just get AI, you'll be ready to lead your campus through an AI transformation. It's for everyone who wants to use AI to level up everything you're doing. Whether your focus is to recruit or retain, the Summit offers a platform to learn, network, and bring back actionable insights to enhance your student engagement strategies. I hope you'll join us and some of our favorite Enrollify creators like Jamie Hunt, Dustin Ramsdell, and Artist Kadu in Raleigh on June 25th and 26th. Use the discount code Enrollify50 and you can register for just $99. You do not want to miss this, so join us at the Engage Summit this June. Learn more and register at engage.element451.com. Can't wait to see you there. Okay, I've got a question, another question for you then. Tell me about your understanding of the data that we're seeing here, this enrolled in some but not all distance education courses category, the, the middle column there. Is that including hybrid classes? Classes yes. where there is a in-person component 
and an online component where you maybe have a lecture in person and then your courses uh, or your assignments are submitted online and your sort of schedule and syllabi is delivered online and your grade is managed online, you know, that sort of thing where you're still in an LMS for every class, but you're, you're still, you still have an in-person component for some of those. Right. I, it's my understanding that the data includes hybrid courses whenever there is some meeting component online, not just the LMS, but if there are actually class meetings online, then it goes into the online category, the distance learning category, because you're doing things uh, from a distance that you wouldn't have been doing otherwise. So that's my understanding of how this data was captured. So in that, you're right, there are a lot of classes that went fully online, but some are saying, you know what, we're just going to meet in person once a week and do our labs. The rest of the classes are going to be online. Sure. I'll lecture on uh, Zoom or Blackboard or whatever we're using. So gotcha. do, you, do you agree with that? Yeah, yeah, I think that that's I think I think that that's the future of in person, right? I don't think that we would ever not have having now adopted LMSs for most of our course delivery. I don't think that we would ever see a situation where a class and the assignments and the um, syllabi, you know, were all delivered in person. You know, like I, I don't think we're ever going to see a class again where on the first day the professor has a stack of paper <laughs> and goes yeah. <laughs> person by person and hands out the printed syllabi. I don't know. Maybe maybe some professors still prefer that, but that they wouldn't necessarily have to do that because the syllabi is already going to be, you know, in, in the LMS. So, and I think it forced a lot of instructors who really tried to avoid the push to electronic syllabi and things like that, that COVID kind of made them do that. So now they did get over that hump. They wouldn't have gotten over mm -hmm. otherwise. Yeah. Again, the, the factor of necessity over, over choice. Yeah. You couldn't, you couldn't continue to do that. You, it, it now became something that was really required. So looking at the data, I want us to, to predict the future here. But 2019, we're looking at 64% of students were not enrolled online at all. As of the last academic year, that was 47%. Are we going to get back closer to that 63? Or are we going to kind of plateau in the, in the 40s? Yeah, I... I don't know. I think it's going to depend on how significantly the sort of enrollment cliff um, uh, affects institutions. And I'd be interested to see this, you know, across classifications. I think it'd be an interesting exercise to group this data by school type, by learner age, you know, and, and kind mm -hmm. of see this data in different ways. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think that we can expect to see um, in-person learning grow significantly. I think in 2022, it was the, the case was still that we were recovering from from the COVID pandemic and that, you know, more people were uh, going back to campus because they could um, and because maybe they wanted to. But I don't I don't think we're going to see um, a progression in growth there uh, against a, a population of all learners, maybe for first time freshmen. I could see that that, um, you know, Gen Z or the, the folks that, that have not made it to college in that generation yet. And then the folks that come after them, you know, maybe you're still, as I as I alluded to in that subculture of I do not want my life to be lived entirely online. I do want to go have in-person experiences. I could see them um, pushing for in-person experiences, but there are fewer of them. And so that's yeah. going to be, that's going to be the, the thing to watch out for in these percentages is while the, and why I mentioned that it'd be interesting to see this by student type or by age, um, while in-person first-time freshmen 
uh, first time freshmen might, might want to be in person, um, there's just fewer of them to pad that percentage out to be the 60, 70% it once was. And as more adult learners come back to school, as more adult learners take micro credentials or other uh, smaller programs that are not uh, full degrees um, and participate in, in higher education in that way, that's also going to affect that percentage. So I don't know. I, it depends on, it depends on how significant the enrollment cliff is with, with that next generation to see um, where that not enrolled in any online classes percentage goes. But for, for the next couple of years, I could see that holding more or less steady. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And we talk about anomalies. You have an enrollment cliff in the middle of a pandemic recovery. This data is just so jumbled to parse out actual cause and effect here yeah. is, is going to be super tough. If, if I'm projecting three years out, I think for the next decade, we're going to stay somewhere between 45 and 55 percent not enrolled at all or versus the obviously the, the rest of it enrolled, enrolled at least some in online courses. I, I think we're going to see, and we are seeing a shift to hands-on learning for, for some individuals. Are we going to count more of the technical school students in this? If, if you're going to, we need plumbers, we need electricians. If you're going to go do that, right. a lot of that has to be done in person. So right. there are just so many factors of the upcoming economy, like you said, the enrollment cliff. And really, we just need to prepare for a world as higher ed professionals where online learning is prominent. The pandemic did change the landscape forever, but we can't abandon things that worked before because students are going to be coming to class. So there are elements of, of that that we need to maintain and, and continue doing our best work in the classroom to adapt that both in distant and on-campus learning. I think we could also maybe from the perspective of data an, uh, analysis and, and of decision-making uh, make the case that it is no longer really helpful to view um, different student types in the same cohort. If we're talking about adult learners, we need to address adult learners um, on their own. If we're talking about first-time freshmen, we need to address them on their own. It's I don't think it's helpful anymore, especially as more credential types come out and um, you know the the modality that these that these students prefer um, evolves to their needs and their and their wants. That it's that it's just not helpful to view them together anymore. I think that that we need to see uh, this, this data broken out by student type, by age, by some other sort of, of classifier that, that can en- enlighten us a little bit more and help us make better decisions. Completely agree. We're moving more and more toward that segment of one, understanding each individual student and, and what their needs are and making sure our institutions are prepared to meet those needs. And for a lot of people, it went all online. Now things are starting to come back to normal in, in higher ed and in other areas of our life. So We'll continue to learn and share as more data becomes available. And I, I like your idea of breaking that down a little more. And maybe we can do that in a future episode. Absolutely. More granularity. <laughs> more granularity. That's what that the people be. shout for. They want more granularity. <laughs> I think that's going to be the tagline for the show from now on. Absolutely. We're changing the podcast name, actually. <laughs> yeah, granularity. We will be back next week with another hot topic on data in higher ed. For Timothy Davis, I'm Jamie Boggs. This has been the EduData Podcast. The EduData Podcast is part of the Enrollify Podcast Network. If you like this podcast, chances are you'll like the other Enrollify shows too. Our podcast network is growing by the month. We've got a plethora of marketing, enrollment, and higher ed technology shows that are jam-packed with stories, ideas, and frameworks, all designed to empower you to be a better higher ed professional. 
Our shows help higher ed marketers and admissions professionals find their next big idea and feature a selection of the industry's best Azure hosts. Learn from Jamie Hunt, Artis Kadu, Dustin Ramsdale, Jeremy Tears, and so many of your other favorite leaders in higher ed. And Rollify is made possible by Element 451, the leading AI-powered all-in-one student engagement platform helping institutions create meaningful, personalized, and engaging interactions with students. Learn more at element451.com.